Hello, and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work for social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Damien, you were up this week. So what do you have for us today at the table? Absolutely. All right. So for the table today, I brought a a documentary special um, called Eyes on the Prize, Hallowed Ground, Mm -hmm. um, which came out a few months ago on HBO Max. Uh, and it, spoiler alert, it is incredible. Highly encourage folks to check it out with mm-hmm. us. Um, I think the film really sort of did two things. First, it paid tribute to Henry Hampton's 14-part documentary series called Eyes on the Prize, mm-hmm. uh, which came out back in the late 1980s, which uh, chronicled the civil rights movement and sort of the black experience in America in some really um, beautiful ways, but really sort of in depth, like in this incredible depth. Right. Uh, it was really thorough and, and wonderfully done. Um, and so this new film on HBO Max both honored that original documentary series uh, and also sort of showcased the impact that it had on some contemporary activists uh, and on our society at large. Um, But the other thing that this film did is it also connected what was shown in the original film to the current movement and liberation work that's happening in, in our country today. Right. And it, did that by showing us footage from the original film and also situations and and moments from our from our present day and you know as i sort of just said it we we heard from activists and organizers and filmmakers journalists uh sort of um healers uh, and really some other incredible folks as they talked about what all of this means to them to Mm -hmm. uh, our country uh, and to black people and they also talked about some of the current realities of this work, right? And in our world that the original film sort of didn't address uh, in a lot of ways. And so they sort of, this is sort of the, a current take on, you know, and, and look at what's happening um, in our present day. And so um, sort of all of that, you know, couched with this idea that they, they really sort of, you know, talk about what all of this means in terms of our ongoing fight for for social justice and liberation. So, uh, yeah, again, like this was this is an incredible film. I really enjoyed it, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to chatting with you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? Um, well, I'll just say I think this agree. I agree with you. It was super moving, and I agree that it, it served um, a couple purposes for yeah. me too. It felt like a big like a way to admire that original film. That's a good word. Um, like sort of it was a tribute um right alongside uh that tribute was showing the way that it influenced sort of current day organizers um, while also showcasing the work um that they're doing yes um and the making the the connection the the connecting threads through history from um, previous movements to today yeah uh yeah so uh you know the and the parallels between some of the scenes we've seen over the last 10 years, right? Mm. Like the footage that yes. on the news we've seen on social media 
with the images from the original film are stunning. Yeah. Right. And you can see that it's a continuation of movement. Right. Um, We've seen fire hoses juxtaposed with tear gas Mm -hmm. in the film. Um, And then dogs, police dogs from the 60s juxtaposed with dogs from today. Yeah. Right. And so we see that these things are connected and the response from the state is connected and and it's it's the same it's the same um and it's really moving and it makes me think of when uh tarana burke said um you know she called the original documentary a bridge yeah um between what happened in the 60s and um sort of when she was growing up uh in the late 80s I, i think um Right. And then Trisha Hersey said the original documentary was inspiring and traumatizing because you see the vision and strategy and work and movement alongside the violence. You know, and it's stunning. Um, And that violence continues to today. And, you know, we see it throughout the film, this juxtaposition. Um, And so, yeah, you know, she said you see the presence and the style of the people showing up in the 60s. And then the violence that they face, like Ooh. getting coffee thrown on them, hot yeah. coffee fresh out of a pot, right, right. At, a, at a lunch counter or whatever. So, um, yeah, this film feels like an important addition to the story of the movement. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll add here um, is there's so many people in this film who have done work that I admire and Ooh. continue to do work that I admire. So as I was watching, it was just like a, oh, there's, <laughs> there's this person mm-hmm. and there's that person. Yep. And wow, okay. Um, so it's a really great collection of people, too, talking about their work, their vision, how they grew up admiring and appreciating Eyes on the Prize, the original. And so it, it was just a sort of beautiful um, film. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's just lots of brilliant folks in this film mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And so, and you know, you mentioned the parallels, I, you know, I, I was really struck by so much of that in this film too. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and on top of that, sort of the, the imagery and the archival clips from the original documentary and, and the commentary from, from the activists, both from the original film and today. Right. Like they, yeah. I think they were really uh, smart in their selection of sort of, what they took from the original uh, film um, mm-hmm. and including it in this one. I think just everything in it was so powerful. Um, so yeah, again, a must watch. I think in particular, I really liked how the film was broken up into these w- profound sections. Um, and I, I hope I catch them all here. It was echoes, ancestral rage, power, rememory, sacred space, vision, and the prize. Yep. I think I got them all. Uh, if I didn't, forgive me. Um, and, you know, personally, the ancestral rage section was particularly moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, you, you, you use this word a lot, juxtaposition. And, and, and I think that is what speaks to me when I think about this section and what we saw in it, right? The, the, the juxtaposition of like that archival footage. Yep of uh, Mississippi police officers in riot gear, right? And the violence that ensued back in, what, 1963 during Medgar Evers' funeral, his funeral, folks, um, to, you know, juxtaposing that with the footage from 2014 in Missouri after Michael Brown's murder. Um, And I, I just remember thinking, like, this looks exactly the same. Yeah. Like these, the, these images are what, 50, 
50, oh God, quick math, 51 years apart. I cannot yeah. believe I did that math. You 51 did it. <laughs> years apart, but that, though that it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, or eerily similar. Um, and, and I, we also then later on sort of see, you know, all of the, the scenes from 2020 in Minnesota after George Floyd's murder, you know, so that's a piece of it that, that had some sort of similar characteristics and look as well. Right. And so, um, and so I think for me, part of this idea of ancestral rage exists because these things keep happening. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, we lose black people and folks with marginalized identities to the hands of white supremacy and police violence. And then we go and we march and we protest it. But then we're met with more police violence or state violence, as you called it, right? Right. Yep. So like this idea of this vicious cycle um, is real and it's enraging to say the least, right? Uh, but I think it's important to to recognize the fact that this kind of violence has happened and is happening over and over again, and and why that is the case, and and sort and certainly you know what we need to do about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for me that was a particularly moving part of the film. Um, sort of related to that, I think about, and I really appreciated. You talked about some of these folks that you admire. Kayla Reed uh, from Action St. Louis is in it and in it a lot. And I, uh, I loved so much of what she had to say. Yeah. Um, she, she had a lot to say about ancestral rage in this section. She talked about how she feels ancestral rage whenever black dignity is stripped away. And uh, I think I had to pause it. Uh, I can't tell you how much that sort of resonated with me, right? Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I won't go into it here. But it's. I think it's something to articulate what that rage looks and feels like for me. Um, that when we see these moments and we've watched so much of it. I mean, just thinking about 2020 alone, right? And the the countless sort of you know, news stories and, you know, watching the CNN coverage over and over again. Um, this idea of black dignity being stripped away and this ancestral rage, I can't, I, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's something to think about uh, and something to describe and something to feel and go through. And so, um, yeah, I, that, I appreciated Kayla uh, sort of putting words to some thoughts and feelings that I have for sure. Yeah. She was incredible. I think throughout, um, throughout the film uh and has some really great moments later on too mm-hmm. um yeah and i you know what you're saying about this vicious cycle i think is so true and it's what it's i feel like it's something we've talked about several times over yeah. the course of of the year uh, on the sh- on the podcast and um you know you also see it throughout the film in different ways right yeah. like those threads that we talked about pulling between the 60s to today and yep. right like all of that you see that that vicious cycle pop up right and you talked about the the juxtaposition of Megger Evers's funeral with um the aftermath of um the uprising I should say yes. uh, of Mike Brown after Mike Brown's murder um you, you just see it you, it's clear yeah um right and you know Philip Agnew shows up and mm. names it right yeah. uh, another person who um I admire Amazing. the work of um and he says that the veneer of the promises that the U.S. has made to its people for him really faded during the Obama years. Yeah. Because it became clear that the steward of the empire, right, the, the president of the United States, is always going to remain the same. Yeah. Going to be recalcitrant, going to be evil, going to murder. Mm. Right. And that's the seat is empire. And that's 
I think just such important context to understand in general, yes. br- like broadly, um, like this country and what it's founded upon, the blood and the violence, and it continues to move in that direction. So that's part of where this vicious cycle comes from. Like yeah. the the process, the system, the empire finds new ways to chew people up and spit them out, and it's rebranded those things. It's created new names for that violence that sound more palatable. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But we can see the parallels, and I think about that when I see the footage intercut between Selma in the 60s and Ferguson in 2014 mm-hmm. and, and all the other moments in here too, right? Like I think there are some moments where they show LA in the yeah. 90s and yeah. right, like they're all interconnected. Um, so I think it's, I really appreciated Philip Agnew naming that that sort of analysis of like, this is empire. Empire yeah. is gonna empire basically, right? Empire is gonna empire. Yeah put it on a shirt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciated that. And I think sort of, um, related to that is this idea of, um, sort of what also happened during the Obama years and sort of, you know, really sort of our, our, this country's collective loss of its mind, right. And sense around sort mm-hmm. of, you know, there's a black president here and, um, this idea that we thought or folks thought that Obama being president was going to solve things. And it certainly didn't. And really, and it sent us on this, sent us on this path to where we are uh, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, Philip Agnew definitely um, spoke some truth in this, in this film mm-hmm. that I appreciated that I appreciated. And there are just so many moments that we see through this film that I think are great um, and, and good examples of what we're talking about here. Um, I, you know, the other thing I was thinking about was, you know, I was talking earlier about ancestral rage. I was also compelled by, both parts um, that came later, sort of the final two parts, if you will, the vision section and the prize section. Yes. Uh, because I think those moved into this space of talking about what we need and what we deserve, right? Yes. And so in visions, uh, Kayla Reed again uh, talked about her dreams being full of radical imagination and and this idea of living in a world where we're not confined or restricted to a place where white supremacy has dominated you know and i loved how she talked about how we need to work to improve conditions for people and we need to get people safe and we need to get people to their north star um like that's the ultimate goal right Mm -hmm. um and and I think that's why we talk so much about an embrace abolition and yep. the need to fund reimagined public safety structures and systems and, and initiatives that actually keep people safe, right? Yeah. And so I, I I appreciated that section. And I think all of that is really connected to what many of the activists talked about in the prize. So the last section of the film is called the prize and it's called that because right the film is called Eyes on the Prize, right? Yeah. And so much of what they shared uh about what the prize was, in my opinion, sort of I think was simultaneously profound, but also not too much to ask, right? And like it it yeah. it boggles me and it's it's a it's it's a struggle to think about the fact that we're in the year 2021 and we're still talking about the prize being making sure folks have the fundamental necessities to be able to live, right? And to sort of be a fulfilled human being in our society, 
right? We're talking about the prize being black liberation. We're talking about the prize being, uh, someone said, an equitable society that provides dignity, safety, and access for folks, right? Like, and that's just some of the things that folks mentioned, but I think yeah. it was just all really good stuff. And, you know, again, on one hand, sort of like, what the hell, right? Yeah. Like, how are we not there? Why is this so difficult to achieve? Um, but on the other hand, is profound and beautiful, right? As this, as an idea of the prize. Yeah, I really liked this section of the film, both pieces of this, where people are reflecting on what their vision is and what the prize means to them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, them kind of naming what it is that they're working toward in, in whatever work they find themselves in. Because, yes. you know, this film brought together people who are doing a variety of kinds of work. Yes. Um, in different kinds of spaces. Artists so, too. I right. didn't name artists, artists and yeah, um, all sorts so of folks. It's interesting to think about that because so frequently folks who are doing organizing or activist work are focused on, you know, what's in front of them. Like what what's wrong, right? What do we need to respond to? Yeah. Um you know, they're focused on an immediate need. Um, but when you think about it, those are steps on the way to the prize, like whatever that prize is, yep. right? Um, so we have to name that we don't all have our fundamental necessities because we don't, yeah. right? We have to understand what it means that we don't too. We have to understand the systems that produce the conditions in which we don't have what we need. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I kind of said this just a minute ago, but these systems work to get changes made today that reflect something closer to the future or like people are working to create changes in these systems that reflect the future that we want to go toward. Um, and it's steady, um, but it's also small and yes. incremental and, yes. and difficult. Um, and I forget, I, th I forget who said this, but, um, somebody said it's like there's not movement without the work yes right and there are lulls i think it was yeah. toronto Burke. it might have been um yeah. yeah that feels right right and so there there's always movement happening it's just whether or not it's it's sort of in front of people yes right? but there's always work happening um and there there are lulls in where like not as many people are doing it and then where lots more people are doing it. Yeah. Sort of a up and down kind of ebb and flow. Yep. Um, kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's what Philip Agnew was talking about, right? Like yeah. that's empire is yeah. the ability to absorb this stuff and say that changes have happened and, and rebrand things and change the name of some system. Um Right. And, and not really much changes with it mm. when you think about it. Um, the, you know, for example, the processes of segregation evolved. Yeah. Right. Into something that it was quote unquote illegal unless it happened naturally by market forces, mm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the system absorbs challenge and changes the process, but the outcomes remain the same. Um, and so the work continues. Um, but that's a, that's a great example, the segregation one. I think that's sort of, that's a perfect example of what you're yeah. talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I take away from that too, from this section is that, um, 
one, the visions that people have are super inspiring and definitely things to work toward. And that I think several people said some version of, of this, but there isn't one answer. There isn't one vision. There isn't one destination. And so we have to kind of work together to piece it together to see like, how do we all get to sort of different places that's all sort of the same place? Yeah. Right. Um, how do we stitch these things together to create something that is that meets all of the needs all or all of the, of the visions or yes. all the values or the, the ethics principles um, that, that people are bringing to that work? Yeah. To get to that North Star. Right. right. Absolutely. We have to work together. Absolutely. That's that's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been um, as you've been talking, I've been thinking a little bit about sort of um, this idea of this documentary and how powerful it is. And um, I've, I also want to sort of, uh, as this film did, honor the original film, um, yep. the original series, Eyes on the Prize. I think that for many folks our age, you know, or around our age, right, it may have been something that you saw um, and watched. Uh, mm-hmm. And that probably was, in my case, many, many years ago. Um, but it also is absolutely something, I know that there are folks out there who haven't seen it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. Um, uh, and I, and I just think that it is a comprehensive and raw and moving documentary film that, as I said earlier, sort of thoroughly chronicled the civil rights movement and, and the black experience in this country in a way that again, makes it a must see. Um, and, and again, in this really thorough way, and I will go ahead and name that, um, HBO max has the first six sections of it, I believe, yeah. uh, 14 parts of it. So, um, yeah, I, again, encourage folks to, to check it out. Right. Uh, because I, one of the other folks that's featured in the current film, Damon Davis, um, uh, he's talked about how America, as I say, doesn't just run on Duncan. He said it, it runs on us forgetting our history. Right. And I think we simply cannot do that. And that's his point as well. Right. And so I'm, I'm not going to do this justice. I'm going to breeze through this. But the just to give folks a sense, the original documentary series, as I've said, is 14 parts and it showcased a lot of histories and stories. Right. And so those range from the story and impact of Emmett Till's murder back in 1955 to the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott in the 1950s as well uh, to school desegregation efforts throughout the 50s and 60s. Um, to the efforts of organizers and activists to end racial segregation in the 1960s. Um, there's a piece on the March on Washington in 1963. Um, there's a, a lot of conversation around what took place in Mississippi. And I actually want to go back and watch this because I feel like there's a lot, there is a lot that happened in Mississippi, sort of sort of the, the politics and the ripple effects of those politics in, in the 1960s that had sort of an impact on civil rights. Um, the fight for voting rights, right? And the sort of related activism that took place uh, down and around Selma, as you talked about um, mm-hmm. in 1965. Um, there's lots of uh, incredible folks that are sort of featured So uh, throughout this film. So Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Carl Stokes, uh, the Black Panther Party and Fred Hampton, Muhammad Ali, uh, right? And sort, of, and sort of many others, right? And sort of the impact that those folks had. Um, Affirmative action and write the landmark Supreme Court case in the late 1970s. Um, And then it sort of all ends with this sort of rich discussion on uh, the impact of the civil rights movement, right, on our country and also the world, right? And so I I, I breeze through that. That is not, that does not do the, the film series full justice. But 
I really encourage folks to to watch it because I think it, as I said, it, it really thoroughly examined like each story and piece of our history and of the movement. And I think there's just so much to learn from it, right? And 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 connections that can be made to our our present day. Yes, absolutely. I think um, you know, I haven't actually seen it all. Mm. Um, and you know, as I reflect See, back yeah. on my public school education from Florida, I, oh. I don't think it really emphasized much um, about this era of history. Yeah. Um, you know, in order to show us the documentary. So right. it's definitely something for me to watch. So I did see, um, and I almost started um, last night the first whichever piece of it. And I was like, yep. no, I need to go to sleep. Well, because it's, ti- it's time for me to go to like, well, that's know. probably smart. Also, the first one is about Emmett Till. So, mm, it, you yeah. know, they, it, uh, uh, Henry <laughs> didn't waste any film or any yeah. time getting into um, obviously a very difficult moment yeah. in our history. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, and one of the things that Henry Hampton said in the, in the film, um, in this film is that the original eyes on the prize was the focus was on regular folks in the movement, um, and not just on the famous names that lots of people know. Um, and I think that that's such an important piece of understanding how movement works is that, you know, there are people that we see because they are the ones who have a microphone in front of them or they're the ones on TV um, or they're the the ones who get interviewed, but there are so many people behind them doing work to make whatever it is that they're doing possible. Yes. Right. And, and lots of people working together in tandem to create the moments that we can think of. Right. You think about the March on Washington and um, Dr. King's speech, like there were uh, lots of other people who actually spoke that day and then thousands of people in attendance and lots of other things that had to happen to even organize that process Yes, um, from people traveling from across the country and and all that stuff. So, and that's just one kind of piece, right? There's also the like Montgomery bus boycott Mm -hmm. and um, all kinds of things. And so you think about that and all of the work that goes into those things, there's a lot of people doing a lot of work behind the scenes that we don't ever know their stories about and so it's good to hear their stories and to see them as um sort of guiding lights of like ways that we can plug into these movements we don't have to be the person in front of a microphone on tv um to make an impact and to to make a difference no so absolutely i i appreciated that and i appreciate your thinking around this because i also think that there is um, an important recognition of sort of the everyday person and what you can do, right? So even right. when you mentioned sort of the March on Washington and the thousands of people who showed up, they're like, it's about showing up, right? right. It's about yep. sort of acknowledging that this is an injustice. I believe in this. I'm going to show up with my lawn sign or whatever it is, right? I'm just going to be there in the moment, right? And so yep. whether it's that or whether it's a lawn sign outside your house, right? Or whether it's, you know, you know, um, a financial contribution or a writer volunteering it with an organization or, uh, or writing your congressman, like whatever, whatever that is and looks like to you, right. It's going to take all of us. Right. Yeah. Um, and it isn't just the folks who, as you said, are in front of the microphone, right. Or go mm-hmm. viral if to use a 20, uh, more modern day reference right. to it. Right. Absolutely. Very good. All right. Well, let's shift on over to application. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about, this film since I watched it earlier this week. And, you know, I think we've certainly talked about this a lot today, but 
this documentary, I, I don't know that I have a better word to describe it other than it being powerful, right? And I think it was powerful because of the ways in which it connected what was shown and talked about in the original film to you know, what we're still experiencing and what is still happening in this country to this day, right? And, and, I, and I think that that's just one piece of this application, right? That these issues and conditions and indignities and injustices um, are still happening, right? And so our fight for social justice and collective liberation continues and it must continue. So I think that's sort of one piece of application that, that what was then is now, right? And our fight must continue. Um, I, I think a related piece of application comes from some of the commentary in the film about movement work. Right. And 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 those things reminded me of some of the conversation that you and I have had here on the podcast. Right. One of the folks in the film, I, I think it was Prentice Hemphill, uh, talked about how much of the movement work we've seen both in the past and now is black brilliance and and resilience, if you will, on full display. And I mm-hmm. and I loved that. Right. Yeah. Um, and a number of the f- folks in the film, you know, past and present film, Angela Davis, Ashley Marie Preston, Fresco Stees. Uh, and others also talked about how our past and present movements have been carried and led by black women, by black queer and trans women, right? And we literally just had this conversation uh, last week, right? Yep. Uh, and so I think another piece of this application is a reminder of the importance of centering and, and fighting for the experiences and the lives and the dignity of our most vulnerable and our most neglected in this work, right? Um and I think we sort of said this last week, right? If we can liberate those folks, I think we can free us all. So uh, there's, I think there's lots of application here. Yeah, I think they're agreed. Uh, there's definitely lots. We have to continue to expand the scope of of who the work includes, yes. right? And who we are trying to free. It, and it's got to be all of us. And I appreciate the section of the documentary where they talk about this because they name different ways that the current moment of movement is expanding who's included in the work toward freedom, yes. right? Um, so yeah, a hundred percent appreciate that. Um, one of the things I'm thinking about with this application is this quote that's in the movie from Dr. King when he's speaking mm. at the funeral uh, of the four uh, girls who were killed in the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. So he said, "We must be concerned not merely about the about who murdered them." but all about the system, the way of life, the philosophy which produced the murderers. Um, And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. And it's what I think about when I think about the recent trials of Rittenhouse and the Mm -hmm. McMichaels. um, And because we have to be concerned not just with the individuals and who they are as individuals, but also who are they in the context of our society? Why are there so many of them, right? What pieces of this culture led them to do the things that they did? And then how do we change that culture so that we're not continuing to produce these people who do these things? Come on now. You know, and that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot to unpack there. And there's a lot of room for a lot of folks to do a lot of work in that. Um, you know, I think one, that's one of the roles that white people have, um, is we have to call our people out and move them towards something other than what we've been doing. We like, that has to be it, right? Like, um, it's not working. 
Yeah. And so, um, you know, and I'll say that's just one piece. And there are lots of other things about application here. Um, Prentice Hemphill, we mentioned earlier, talked about healing being the work of getting other people's stories out of our systems, oh. other people's shame out of our bodies. Yes, right? I love that. Um, right. I've already mentioned Philip Agnew talking about empire and understanding empire. That's more application. Toronto Burke tied, tied together movement work from the 80s and 90s to the 60s and today yeah. um, and, and sort of pulled those threads together for us. Patrice Cullors talked about abolition. Yes. So there's there's a lot in here that is application and a lot of different ways to ap- apply the brilliance in this documentary to our own lives and, and work and what it is that we're doing. Yeah. I mean, this film was only an hour, but there, as you said, there yeah. is a lot in here. Right. Um, and, and as you said, there's a lot to unpack, right. As we get into the sort of the nitty gritty of why this work is important mm-hmm. um, and what we need to do and what all of us need to do. And so I appreciate you naming sort of white folks and what white folks should do too. Um, and so much of this, like Patrice talked a lot about abolition, but so much of that and so much of what you talked about, is abolition, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. that's where we need to be. So I appreciate all of that as application. All right. Um, well, let's shift over to homework, if that sounds good to you. Mm-hmm. I think one piece of homework for me this week, and I uh, would encourage others to join me in this. This is going to be a huge surprise. Let's rewatch the original film, Eyes yep. on the Prize, or watch it for the first time, right? You know, as I said, you know, the first section is about Emmett Till, right? So I'm going to warn folks, like, it is a lot, um, and it is a tough film to watch, right? But, you know, as so many of the folks said in this Hollow Ground film that we watched this week, right, it's remarkable, and it's worth it, and there's so much to take from it. Um, And, you know, I said this earlier, right, I think it's important that we watch and consume things uh, so that we don't forget our history, right? So I think that's homework number one. I think another thing I want to do... For homework is to dig into some of the work that um, some of the folks do uh, that are featured in this film. I think there, as you said, there's so many great folks in this film, right? Lots of folks that we admire. I actually really didn't know too much about Prentice Hemphill before watching this, uh, and I think that they are doing some incredible things around healing work and and justice, and um, they have their own podcast as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to. And I think it's relatively new. I think it maybe either just started this year in 2021 or maybe last year. And so um, I definitely want to dig into some more of their work for sure. Yeah, that's some good homework there. Um, I've definitely heard a bit about Prentice Hemphill being brilliant in this documentary. Um, only provided more evidence of that. Right. So, um, so I think mine is visiting some of the hollow ground. Oh, um, there's wow. a section of the film that I think was actually called Sacred Spaces. Yeah. Um, that shows what I think must be dozens of sites <sighs> Easily. and places throughout the U.S. Um, that are significant places of black resistance and joy and brilliance. Um, and they go by so quickly, like they start they off start pretty, slow. pretty like. It's not even slow, yeah. but it's just like at a normal pace. And then it just sort of goes rapid fire and and very quickly. And so it's hard to catch all of them. Um, but Kayla Reed actually introduced this section uh, when they said that Ferguson and Baltimore and places like that that had uprisings are hallowed ground. Yeah, They describe the way that they feel energy coming from the concrete on Canfield Drive where yeah. Mike Brown was killed even you know, at the time of filming this, I think it was seven years before. 
So it's a recognition of something beyond the physical place that you are. It's there's something else going on there. Yes. Um, right. And I think it's probably connected to like some of this ancestral rage and mm -hmm. different pieces where like there's more here than just the physical concrete or buildings or bricks or whatever it is. Um, and then so she continued to say that anywhere black people are is a sacred space. Mm -hmm. um, and so some images that we see uh, in the film are the Apollo yeah. Theater, yeah. Canfield Drive, mm -hmm. the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, uh, the National Museum of American History, African American History and Culture in D.C., mm -hmm. uh, Eatonville, Florida, which was the first um, black municipality in the U.S. Uh, in 1887, the Frederick Douglass uh, House yeah. in D.C., uh, Tulsa, Edmund Pettus Bridge, Motown, the Lincoln Theater, uh. um, which we just saw an incredible show there a couple yes. couple months ago now. Um, so I think my homework is to visit some more of these places, yeah. right? And we've got several that I haven't been to right down the street from us, basically. So yeah. I think my homework is to um, visit at least two of these spots in the next six months. Um, okay. But also, I think, you know, I encourage other folks, like, what are those what are those spaces that are near you like these they were literally i think across the country uh, yes. um and so there are spaces near lots of folks so yeah. um yeah that's that's one of my pieces uh of homework for me and uh i'm gonna sign it out uh into the world too oh i thought you were gonna say me he pointed over this way and i thought it was me and i was like yeah i'm coming but uh, yeah i love that you named it as uh these are spaces and, and probably what kayla did this too right this the these are spaces of black resistance, joy, mm -hmm. and brilliance, um, right? Because in some of these places that you mentioned, right, some real tragedy took place. Yeah. Um, and then some real resistance took place. But there's also, and it, it has to even be more than dozens. It felt like so many spaces flashed uh, on the screen uh, in this section of the film. Um, there is so many, there are so many beautiful spaces too of, yeah. of joy and brilliance and, as you said, education and uh, yeah, I would. I love that homework. I love that homework. I love mm -hmm. that you named it, um, and I'd love to join you on that. Absolutely. Uh, all right, my friend, you're up next. I am. All right, what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Well, I'm going to bring back an old favorite. Okay. Uh, we're going to revisit the Will to Change by Bell Hooks, which nice. we talked about back in March. Yeah. Um, so in March. The, yeah, March. I, I looked it up. Uh, good. Good. Uh, good. Just to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a while, uh, while, a while back. Wow. Um, so we both talked about how there is so much to discuss in the book that we didn't get to. Yeah. Um, so I thought it'd be great to bring it back, um, which we also suggested we would do during that conversation. Look at you. Um, so just to, as a reminder, The Will to Change is about men and masculinity through a feminist lens um, and, you know, written by the brilliant Bell Hooks. So yes. I'm looking forward to revisiting that text uh, and our conversation with you right here next week. I can't wait for that. I'm, yeah. I appreciate you uh, keeping us honest, right? We did say we'd come back to it uh, because there was so much that we didn't get to. Uh, so thanks for that. And I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to it, too. Yeah. All right. So, folks, with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, uh, share our podcast with the people in your life. 
follow us on social media. Uh, check us out on YouTube. We've got some of our videos up there, our episodes up there. It's great. Um, sign up for our email list to get notified about new things going on uh, behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week.